where does yesterday's future, which is already here, ready here, ready here, ready here, meet today's future, which is about to happen, and tomorrow's future, which could be just minutes away? Welcome to Technology Revolution, the future of now. Where host Bonnie D. Graham asks savvy futurists for their predictions about the tech-driven trends that are shaping our future right now. Here's your host, who will take us into the future of now, Bonnie D. Graham. (laughs) Happy New Year, everyone. This is our first show of 2020. And a quick tip to all of you around the world, if you're still writing checks, signing contracts, remember to put the whole year 2020, not just 20 nothing, because apparently hackers are adding numbers to that, and they can change the impact of your checks, of your contracts, of anything you sign. So put the whole year down, as Barbara Walters, Baba Wawa used to say, 2020, and we need clear vision this year. This is part four of our annual prediction special. I am so happy to bring this to you today. We have 11 visionaries with great impact on their particular worlds and now on yours. So let me start with my normal intro. I have a quote here from David Bowie. You know all you all know who he was and he left us way too soon. The quote is from one of his songs. It's ch 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 changes turn and face the strange. Well if you're hoping to gaze into a crystal ball, come on, it's only January eighth, so it's still early, to see what twenty twenty holds for your company, your industry, yourself personally, your career, and the world, we've got the next best thing. Live today It's January 8th, and again next week on the 15th, and already on demand, December 4th, 11th, and 18th from last year, we're bringing you predictions from over 55, not they're over 55, but more than 55 thought leaders covering the exciting technologies, the strategies, and the trends that can help you grow and compete better in 2020 and beyond and understand your world. So pour yourself a cup of Joe. You know what that is. An Earl, that's tea. Or if you have a little leftover, Dom Perignon from New Year's Eve. And join us for Technology Revolution, the future of now. 2020 Crystal Ball Predictions, Part 4 Live. And all I'm going to say is together, let's make 2020 our best year ever in every possible way. And I am Bonnie D. Graham. Let me tell you who my first four, two guests are in my first segment. We're excited to have them, and then we will ask them for their predictions. So up first, in a moment, I'll be having to, you know, I will introduce you to Julian Kopp. He spells his last name K-O-P-P. He's a partner at Deloitte France. Deloitte France, I should say, Julian. He's a member of the Digital Factory. Julian manages Deloitte France RPA, an intelligent automation competency center, also coming up and building smart digital innovative solutions, mixing a range of technologies, and he started his career at Apple in Europe. Very interesting. And also joining him on this segment is Delena L. Parrish. By the way, all of my guests today have been on either Game Changers Radio or Technology Revolution during the calendar year of 2019. So this is our gift to them to hear what they have to say. Delena Parrish, co-founder, Fearless Independence, and she is Fearless, LLC is a senior at Heavener College of Business at the University of Florida. And I'll tell you that nothing has held Elena to the ground in her own words, not cerebral palsy, not speech difficulties, and not a wheelchair. She has rolled her wheelchair on the runway for a major fashion show in New York. She designs adaptive clothing. Nothing stops Elena. She's collaborated with global brands. Get this, Tommy Hilfiger, Vera Bradley, Zappos Adaptive, and she's a brand ambassador for New Motion Mobility, Toby Dynavox, and Runway of Dreams. And today she's using the latest in assistive, I get goosebumps when I read this because she's so amazing, latest in assistive technology with her predictions on an 
i13 series device from Toby Dynavox with cerebral palsy and many other conditions, speaking can sometimes be challenging for Delena. So she uses the eye tracker on the Toby that allows her to type with her eyes. I said that and I'm right. Type with her eyes and the device does a produces a text to speech output and she's on with us today with her wonderful mother uh, Trisha also. So, Julian Cop, you're up first. We'd love to hear your predictions. What do you see for 2020, Julian? How are you? I am very good, thank you. Um, so one of the first things that we see at Deloitte is um, machines and humans are going to start working together because we we know the common complaint and, and fear that machines are going to replace humans. But what we see in uh, some of the polls we've been seeing is um, that now the, the software robots are finally getting really accepted into uh, companies and organizations. And uh, I think it's very interesting what you just said because I'm a, I'm a strong believer in the fact that machines and humans are, are much stronger together and you can augment humans uh, with, uh, with our software robots in, in RPA or robotic intelligent automation as well. So this is one of the first things that, that we see. Uh, you can augment uh, humans. You will uh, work with more um, cognitive technologies as well. So there is a lot of uh, things that are being done right now with unstructured data where the dumb robots of a few years ago are getting stronger and stronger. And mm-hmm. the idea is that you can now, with these robots, have a much stronger uh, impact in terms of transformation because you can move from uh, task automation to end-to-end automation. So this is all uh, along the line of something that we call the age of width. This will be machines with human. This will be machines with intelligent uh, um, cognitive technologies and things like this. So the age of width is something that we see. It's, uh, it's tremendous for us. Uh, finally, no war between human and machine, but we start looking at how we can benefit from having them uh, working together. Um, the second key trend we see is the maturity of uh, therapy solution that has been um, well evolving and progressing tremendously over the last uh, few years. So now we are moving uh, from you know automation platforms to more of an integration platform with a lot of workflows being able to be managed by these uh, platforms. And what we see is also the capability to uh, move to the cloud or to integrate human better uh, into the, the robotic processes or in the ways that robots and humans are going to work together. So um, the maturity of the solution is supporting what we believe uh, into, which is we're going to move towards an hybrid workforce where you will have uh, human working with machines. And uh, we, we do believe the software vendors are doing a tremendous work uh, when it comes to delivering value there. Um, the last, and I think this is based on, on these two, these first two uh, aspects, is uh, something you can look up as well. Uh, we're starting to discuss about hyper-automation. So hyper-automation is when uh, you start projects or you start new things with machines in your head and, and this ability mm-hmm. to, to scale and to do much more than what you were doing before, um, providing you know, machines and, and automations in a lot more places thanks to cognitive technologies and things like this. And so the impact that we will see uh, is going to be much stronger than what it was. The amount of employees that will benefit from having a robot working from them is going to be also quite something. So for those of you that are not you know, uh, really aware of what I was talking about, I was talking about mm-hmm. software robots. Uh, we do believe that these robots will help you and augment you, um, and, and this is going to be extremely interesting. 
Thank you, Julie. And interesting, we, we've done some shows about robots. It's like who's sitting next to you at the desk at work or with your robot colleague. And I brought up the question, how does uh, HR or, or HCM, whatever we're calling it, human capital management, human resources, how do they deal with, with a robot who makes a complaint about another employee? How do you give them vacation time? Do they need vacation? Any quick comments on that, Julian? Yeah, actually, I think, uh, you know, the, the parallels are quite interesting. Uh, I mm-hmm. think also we have to be very transparent. A robot uh, needs to be helped with sometimes because he has some issues. He needs to be uh, trained. He needs to be monitored. It's like at some stage, you know, it's like a real employee. There's a lot of parallels that you can do. Um, a robot will have symptoms. And if you take care of the symptoms soon enough, then that's fine. You can keep working as usual. But if you don't take care of the symptoms, at some stage you have to send him to the hospital and you have to take him out of the of the work line so that he can he can work again. But he will he will cut his production for a few days. So human resources is kind of interesting because now we're also helping them doing their work uh, to give you a very um, precise um, idea. We are right now helping our human resources at Deloitte France dealing with. Uh, the volumes of, of informations and contracts and things they have to do because, sadly, the administrative task that, mm-hmm. that is on HR are quite, quite, quite a lot. So we're helping, you know, by automating workday, by automating uh, success factors, other type of solutions yep. uh, for, for them. And I think this is a way to have human resources focus on the human and not on the administra- administrative task. So I think this is actually real interesting. Thank you very much. Delena Paris, join us. Delena, we're ready for your predictions. Let's roll. Thank you for having me again, Bonnie. It's always an honor. My first prediction is the fashion retail consumer experience for those with disabilities will see inclusion and diversity as key drivers for innovation. Nearly one-fifth of Americans have some form of a disability, and these 64 million consumers are gaining a voice in the retail industry through their pocketbook and product needs, some that they never dreamed would be available, such as customizable ready-to-wear. It has opened an entire segment of the market that has basically been ignored or drastically limited, a white space that is ready to be filled with fresh new innovation. As fashion has begun to hit its mainstream stride for disability inclusion, other retailers are following, and profitably so. Many of today's younger consumers insist upon total transparency of key values from a retailer or brand, not just its product offerings. Price and quality still matter in purchase decisions, but now, societal and cultural issues such as inclusion and diversity have become crucial purchasing factors. Silence will not be accepted, and ignorance of inclusion for those with disabilities will be met with a shift in brand loyalty. True intent will be exposed as either transitory marketing ploys or hopefully full corporate commitment. Gimmicks won't last. Smart design will. This pivotal shift of inclusion does not necessarily require an exorbitant amount of resources as most would suspect. In fact, simple nuances such as a store's signature scent, aisle accessibility, size of dressing rooms, ease of checkout, and personnel etiquette will elevate the disabled shopper's experience. This leads to my second prediction. Both brick-and-mortar retailers 
and e-commerce shopping sites will integrate more assistive technology to create a purposeful and inclusive shopping experience for all consumers. While technology is crucial to fashion and all retail, there is a perception that it would be difficult to incorporate or build innovative resources for customers with disabilities. It's just not true. There is a constant stream of innovation ready to meet the needs of diverse body types. Numerous sources such as application program interfaces, public cloud platforms, and open source libraries can now be built into customizable applications and faster than ever before. Specifically, RFID or QR codes can be attached to a pair that detail design elements, such as sleeve length and width for those with limited mobility, detailed fabric and closure information for the allergy-prone, label-less brands for skin sensitivities, even seated garment length for chair users. A smart board fitting and style guidance system could be analytically driven to input specific criteria and match them to designs that meet the customer's needs. As a young entrepreneur with cerebral palsy, my hope and expectations are driven by need and also by passion to make current fashion more accessible, faster to market, and most of all, fun. Thank you very much, Delena. I loved your predictions. And I will tell you, I, I love the Dynavox voice that you use. I, she is very interesting to listen to. Uh, we're going to wrap this segment up very quickly, but I just want to go back to Julian Kopp in France. Julian, did you have a favorite drink over the holidays? Tell me quickly. I drink a lot of coffee. Even over the holidays? No eggnog, no champagne, anything for uh, New Year's Eve? Well, my wife is pregnant, so I'm trying to be considerate and not drink too much. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Well, mazel tov on the pregnancy. I, I wish you. you well in your family edition. Thank you. That means congratulations. Delena Parrish, Trisha Parrish, quickly, did you have a favorite drink over the holidays around New Year's? Trisha, you want to say? While home for winter break, I experimented <laughs> and discovered chocolate peppermint martinis rimmed with minted crumbles. <laughs> Perfect for the holidays and winter nights. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Trisha, you want to chime in here quickly before we go? Oh, I'm probably a bourbon and ginger girl, so any specialized drink with bourbon is really suits my fancy. Uh, My my uh, children in their twenties think they taught me to drink bourbon, but I told them I started many years before they were born. So <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much. I want to wish happy new year and everything wonderful to our first two panelists, our first three, Julian Cobb, partner with Deloitte France, Delana L. Parrish, co-founder of Fearless Independence and her mom and partner in business, Trisha Parrish. Thank you all. We're going to say bye-bye to you. And I've got three more panelists waiting on the line to join us. So we're going to move on with our segment number two. And Aaron, I'm going to start introducing my, my next guest. I hear the echo, meaning we're dropping off some people and we're bringing some more on. So let's go to my next three panelists who are going to share their predictions. Loïc Simon, I pronounce it, here's another French, uh, founder of Hashtag Social Selling Forum, is convinced that sales transformation is a must and social selling can make it a reality. He founded the Social Selling Forum, an in-the-flesh repeating event he started in Paris, in Paris in 2015, and has exported to numerous other cities in France and abroad, welcoming Loïc. 
Joining him in this segment is Donetta Campbell, founder, principal, and lead architect of The Social Architects, LLC. She has created a unique social media architecture that delivers authentic engagement for brand, institutions, and senior leaders. Donetta specializes in earned influence, personal brand building, and guiding digital platforms through social PR. That's hashtag social PR, and it's trademarked. And rounding out this segment is Camila Dahlin, Global Vice President of Solution Partnerships at SAP. She works with leading companies across the globe that build, integrate, and connect to SAP technology. Previously, she led the North America region, doubling the revenue during her tenure. Welcome to all three of you. Loic, I have three minutes. Pour vous. Let's hear your predictions. Go ahead. Yeah, Bonnie, thank you. I have, in fact, three predictions related to social selling, especially on LinkedIn, which I really practice a lot since years, and I see a tendency between two different uh, uh, trends today. The, the trend of the lovers, those who love their customers and, and say love first, customers first, consideration to customers, etc., and the other one, which, is, which are the cheaters in a way, those who meddle with algorithms and they play gray and black growth hacking games, they fake uh, being influencers by buying likes and automating uh, codes uh, and so on. So I see these two tendencies really uh, flourish these years, those who double down on helping their customers progress in their learning journeys by sharing uh, value, by commenting, by posting, by giving really a lot of love to the customers and the other ones, the, the gray or black uh, growth hackers, I would say. Yeah? And this will be an interesting uh, invisible mostly fight. Okay? Mm-hmm. So the second prediction I make is that the real influence on LinkedIn is going to develop. When I say the real influence is not those fake influences we, go for, we, we, we see on LinkedIn coming from Instagram and some other, other areas, but real people with influence, be it uh, sales managers, sales leaders, uh, CEOs, or, or specialists like me or others, experts in their fields, and they will really develop and bring tremendous value to both as a creator's themselves, of course, by being uh, seen as uh, uh, trustful people, um, of competent people, and so on, also to their followers, and uh, they will develop their following, and, of course, also to some brands, because we see the advent of uh, influence marketing a lot also in LinkedIn today, so this will be quite interesting to follow, too, mm-hmm. and, of course, these real influencers, they interact with their, with their followers and so on, yeah? Then mm-hmm. the, the last tendency is uh, what I would call specialization inside the social selling market. We have a lot of solution providers, service providers, outsourcers, uh, ghostwriters, uh, coaches, uh, mm-hmm. it, uh, training people, etc., training consultants, uh, consultants uh, on LinkedIn, helping companies uh, deploy social selling, execute social selling, master social selling. And I think we will see a sub-segmentation of this market more and more where people like me or my friends here in Europe will specialize in certain fields related. Uh, to social selling, like, for example, coaching individual, individually people or training groups or deploying uh, employee advocacy or, or uh, uh, providing outsourcing services for prospection and delivering uh, services like that. That's are my three predictions for this year, 
Bonnie, thank you. Merci, Loïc. I, I love the, the lovers and the cheaters, the analogy that got everybody's attention. That could go into any, any industry anywhere. We say, what? Especially Hollywood. We'll leave that one alone. Thank you, Donetta Campbell. I'm thank ready you. for you. Donetta, welcome. Happy New Year, and please give us your three predictions. Three minutes. Go ahead. Thank you so much for having me. Mm-hmm. So I will start out with a quote, because I know that's usually a favorite of the show. Yep. Um, which was from Brian Solis, which is one of the key visionaries in the social media space. And he had said, social media sparks a revolution that we, the people, have a voice. And through the democratization, which I could never say right, of content <laughs> and ideas, we can once again unite around common passions, inspire movements, and ignite change. So I just wanted to kind of plant that seed, and then I wanted to kind of break my predictions into three pillars and three predictions around the theme of brands and their leaders this coming year will strike a balance between public and private engagement. And I think that's really becoming important in social media and thought leadership combined, that we will find that balance that it's no longer just looking at celebrity influencers or uh, marketing and branding. It's now social media and thought leadership are going to become a main driver of how you touch on all of those different touch points. So the first one I want to talk about is deliver your corporate promises and encourage your employees to empower their voices and share, share, share those messages. Social-driven thought leaders are a trusted, popular way to share that movement that is going to become much more relevant in 2020 in the marketing world. And also, I think, in social selling and other, every other area. Brand culture and purpose matters. 75% of people trust their employers more than any other institution. Hmm. What drives this trust isn't just operational decisions. It's the organization's values. It's contributions to society and its visions for the future. Employers take center stage in a very divided world right now. In the trends last year, we saw the impact of trust make its way to social networks, accelerated by all kinds of different things, right? Trust continues to fall among consumers uh, with all of the things going on in our world. But with that falling faith of traditional institutions, employees have put a new pressure on employers to take stances on social and political issues and be an active force in building a more thoughtful, kind, equitable world. So progressive organizations should take advantage of this new role, building strong internal cultures, amplifying their company's purpose with employees and customer advocacy, and putting the work to work the link between employee and customer experience. So people are quick to call out organizations that run these purpose-driven marketing campaigns or ideas without taking concrete action around them. So it's really important that we make sure to deliver on the promises on every level of your organization. And if you do that, employees are your new marketing machine, right? They're Mm -hmm. able to go out there as thought leaders and use social media to drive it and share very authentic real messaging around what's happening around them that benefits their partners, their customers, their fellow employees, and the world in general. And their peers also in the industry. It sets companies up higher in the industry if there's more and more high-level and every level of the organization um, voices out there sharing what's happening around them in all the positive ways. 
So the second of the two uh, predictions and pillars that I see is leading from the top. Social media-driven thought leadership does matter. And it's really important that the C-suite and the leaders of the company are out there in front of it. And they're the leading voices that everybody else can see and benefit from and have a touch point with. And they, too, can then follow in their um, example and put themselves out there and feel comfortable doing it. Build strong, connected organizations with strong social leadership. That's what we call thought leadership driven by social media driving relevant social communities built around industry peers, employers, partners, and even customers. Um, It all kind of comes together in this amazing ecosystem where everybody's having conversations through the social channels, taking the conversations beyond the walls of a room, taking companies that are global companies, erasing those borders, letting those employees on a global level be able to engage with each other and their customers, their partners, and their relevant industry peers. A really big shift I believe we will see in 2020 is data-rich reports are shifting and likes will not drive optimization anymore. Engaged communities that respond quickly and comment will move messages to the higher algorithm. Therefore, that takes us right back to what we just talked about, building those relevant communities and being generous in that engagement which a lot of us have been doing for a couple of years now, becomes much more important because the algorithms are going to change to show the influencers and move those messages to wider audiences by how quickly people respond to your message and how they respond to your message. It's a much more interactive expectation moving forward than it has been um, as we go through this year. My third um, one is... Danetta, you got 30 seconds for your third one because we're almost out of time in the segment. I still have Camila. Go ahead. Go ahead. Got it. Relevant community becomes even more key. Start working out to build a daily engaged community and socials, the new office, water cooler, anything important is discussed there every day. Thank you so much. Thank you, Danetta. Wonderful predictions. I don't have time to comment, but I want to get Camilla Dolan. And Camilla, you've got your three minutes. Let's hear your predictions, please, and welcome. All right. Thank you. I'm delighted to be on and to share my predictions on the partnership front. Um, So we've already seen a lot of change on the partnership area, and I think in 2020 will be uh, an acceleration of that change, and I think that will manifest itself in three main ways. First one is partnerships are moving away from a distribution reseller type of model to partnering around platforms, digital platforms. That's the best way to bring incremental innovation to customers because it has multiple partners developing features and extending value across the entire digital ecosystem. I think that's going to just grow exponentially, the level of innovation that we're going to see that will be available both to partners and to customers. Um, In fact, IDC predicts that within four years, more than half of the top global 2,000 enterprises will have digital ecosystems. So that's going to be a meaningful revenue contributor. Um, As part of the availability of this type of an ecosystem around a platform, it means that app centers will be an expected destination for enterprise consumption. Uh, Over 500 million digital apps and services are expected to be developed over the next few years, and a lot of these will be targeted at industry-specific enterprise use cases. So by nature of that very statement, app center apps will evolve from entertainment and word-crossy into mission-critical solutions. 
Uh, the second prediction and related to that is that partnering will rally around common customers. A digital ecosystem will ultimately benefit the customer because it encourages companies to put that customer in first and in the center of their efforts. Um, companies have to put aside their competitive tactics and focus on the customers, and that allows them to share a common objective, which is the why behind a partnership, and allows them to share costs and achieve scale. Um, finally, my third prediction is that partnering will be around IP and software. Also, according to IDC, by 2025, nearly two-thirds of enterprises will be software producers. And that's interesting in and of itself, but what's even more interesting is that 80% of the code will be externally sourced. Mm. And that's a huge opportunity for, and it's a validation of technology partnerships. Companies today are already crafting strategies that include partnerships, and they're going to market together with the strategic ecosystem. And I think that's just going to grow. Um, as the ecosystem evolves, we're going to see greater leverage and synergies across different industries. We've seen this already um, across consumer-facing industries like telco and retail, and moving forward, we'll see more blurring of the industry lines for the benefit of innovation. So I'm excited for 2020 to see what it has in store for partners. It sounds like it, and I think a, a word, I don't have too much time to discuss, but a word I heard in, in Janetta's comments, her predictions and yours, Camille, I think the word is trust, collaboration, co-innovation, uh, ecosystem, community. I think all, those are all good, positive words, and we'll go back to what Louis said, talk about people being lovers and not cheaters in the business world. We'll just leave it at that. A quick question for all three of you. Louis, Simon, what was your favorite drink over, let's say, not just the holidays, but New Year's Eve, and then Janetta, tee up your drink real fast, and Camille, and then we have have to go. Louis, what were you drinking? Yeah, for me, it's only coffee and sparkling water. Okay. Janetta, what was your New really? Year's Eve drink of choice? <laughs> uh, for the holidays, it's a family tradition of eggnog and Sprite. Oh, interesting. And Camila, what was in your, your cup, your stein, your flute, your, your mug, your thermos? What were you drinking? Well, being a Swede, I'm going to have to say it's homemade glug, which is a type of mulled wine that takes hours to make, caramelizing sugar, mulling in cloves, cinnamon, etc. It's very delicious in front of a fire. Thanks. I, I love that, especially in front of the fire. Thank you to the three of you. Happy New Year. I look forward to having you back on Technology Revolution during 2020. So pitch some topics to me. We'd love to have you back. And now we're going to move on to segment three. I have three more visionaries who are going to share their predictions. And let me tell you who they are. We have Maria Moreas. She's the Global Industry Principal of Consumer Industries at SAP Customer Experience. Maria is a business digital strategist. She leads consumer industries transformation in the fashion business. During her career, she has developed a passion for innovation and agile groups to champion digital change in organizations. Yay! Magnus Meyer is with us. He's the global head of the wholesale distribution industry business unit at SAP. Uh, he represents the industry outside and inside SAP and works to provide thought leadership, portfolio direction, and the global go-to-market strategy. And previously, he held positions internationally from consultant in Germany to manager of industry, manager of industry business development teams in Japan and the U.S. And rounding out this part of the show is Pam Didner. We're happy to have Pam with us. She's a B2B marketing consultant, writer, speaker, and author of two books, Global Content Marketing and Effective Sales Enablement. Pam has given presentations and workshops in the U.S., Europe, South America, and Asia. Her forte is creating successful global marketing plans that meet local marketing and sales teams' needs. Welcome to the three of you. And I am ready. Let's go to, we've got Maria. You're up first. So let's have your three predictions, please. 
Thank you. Um, mm-hmm. Hello, everybody. I'm really excited about 2020. I mean, I think 2019 was the year of pragmatism, where companies really started to realize, okay, where we are and what we need to do. 2020, I think it's the year to build up a solid foundation for circular economy. So overall, my three uh, um, predictions and my crystal ball is really talking about that this year. Um, The first one, um, the first prediction is that consumers, uh, I think consumers are really looking to buy from businesses with purpose and uh, not from businesses with surface-level commitments. So my prediction is that more than half of the consumers in 2020 will consider company values when making a buying decision. And uh, businesses that do not have a purpose will, um, will ultimately fail. Uh, so some companies are doing really, really well in developing their purpose and mission statement. People like ASICs with product lifecycle assessment to reduce CO emissions investigating how their products at every stage of the life cycle from sourcing to recycling or disposal um, can, can improve. These findings from these assessments are used to improve ASIC's approach to product design and product development, and I think that's very exciting. Then people like Pentland Brands, um, reducing microfibers in the ma- manufacturing process. They, they use more than 2 million plastic bottles diverted from landfills to make their Berghouse fleece range for um, mm-hmm. autumn, winter, uh, autumn, winter 2018 and also 2019 spring-summer collection. Um, Speedo H20 range is recycling nylon made partly from fishing nets recovered from the ocean. Um, people like uh, tools that give a second life to jewelry pieces. So 40% of the brand's collections is produced in a workshop with 90 people that are uh, multidisciplinary artisans specialized in electroforming and microcasting. So mm. really giving people a purpose in their job, very, very important, and to really does it well. Or people like Levi's that collaborate and share best practices with the industry. So when Levi's unlocks proper priority data about water or waste, for example, they share it with everybody. And uh, last year, for example, they hosted a conference with competitors and anyone in the industry who was interested to share every bit of knowledge they had about water-saving best practices. They don't keep the knowledge just for themselves. So we need more businesses like that. And I think in 2020, consumers are really looking into that when they're making their buying decisions. Um, Prediction number two, um, you know, these companies that have a purpose are what we call uh, industry game changers. And they represent around 10% of the overall market. Um, we think what we are seeing is that uh, these companies are doubling their data strategy budgets in 2020. So my prediction is that in 2020, they are pushing more into the cloud business and exploiting edge computing use cases that can scale. So innovation only is not enough anymore. Companies and, uh, and brands are really looking to scale and think more in long-term gains than in short-term gains. So that's good news. And then my final prediction, in 2020, I think we will see more regulations for customer data protection, mm. changing the way that companies operate. For example, real-time bidding, which is used in programmatic advertising, misses the mark on three major GDPR requirements consent, transparency, and data leakage. Of course, this affects more European um, side of the businesses, but in 2020, I think we will see more and more regulations coming. So these dark patterns that uh, several brands use in order to communicate with their consumers will 
bring more, um, you know, bad press and, and fines from government. So I predict that at least one of the Fortune 500 will have a major issue with data regulations in 2020. And that's all for me. Thank you. Thank you, Maria. Very exciting and very wise. Appreciate it. Magnus Meyer, you're up. I've got three minutes for you. Talk. Go ahead. Thank you very much. So mm-hmm. always exciting to be here. Thank you. Um, so my three predictions, let's start it off. The first one is um, the evolution of the self-learning behavior, uh, resulting mm. in autonomous um, recommendation-making in anything we interact with. And we've seen that evolving over the last years on the consumer side, yeah? Um, but now it's time for the business side to take this on and to, in a non-threatening way, learn to work together with cobots um, when our employees engage in, in their day-to-day business. Yeah, I mean, we have seen vehicles making decisions on braking, on lane keeping. Now it's time for business to take this over and um, to leverage this in a non-threatening way, for example, to get driver recommendation for routes, based on, on customer experience feedback, yeah? Or, for example, if your iPhone is memorizing the, the car parking position or proposing different routes depending on where you need to go based on, on the time of day, those things can all be translated on the business side as well, um, where sales folks are then receiving recommendations on where to refuel their car um, or where to adjust their routes uh, based on customer availability. Those are all um, jumps that are very close from the consumer side to the, the business side, and I think we'll see much more happening on this, um, on this level in the next uh, year or two. Uh, the next prediction is around um, a further granularization or modularization of applications and content. Again, that has been originating on the consumer side in the last couple of years. Um, also business has to to adapt to that so we will see modules evolving around content around applications yeah and we will see a stronger competition on um, content providers that will offer baseline processing capabilities and uh, application providers that are offering specialized processing tools and basic content so there will be an evolving clash that that we have already been seen in the last um, couple of years Coming with that, we will see a huge evolution around libraries, libraries of apps, libraries of algorithms that people can consume, or businesses can consume, libraries of integration and translation tools, libraries of content. And um, we have not seen the end yet of um, the subscription-based business model because this is really key uh, to drive all of this consumption uh, forward on the business side. And that results also in new talent profiles evolving, Process modelers, solution architects, integration specialists, data modelers, all those kinds of things. And really quick, the last um, prediction is the evolution of the theory of everything. Now we Mm -hmm. have processing capabilities, we have data science in place, data quality is increasing. Um, So planners will try to get um, everything into one big formula to plan for businesses from A to Z. So those were my three predictions. Thank you, Magnus. Wonderful predictions. Very appreciative of those. Pam Didner, you're up next. I have three minutes with your name on them. Go ahead, Pam. All right. Thank you so much, Bonnie. 
Uh, given that I'm a B2B marketer and uh, I would like to share trends and prediction actually from marketing's perspective and now some of the speakers talking about the importance of a content and also the evolution of a content and also talking about community engagements moving forward and I agree with some, we, uh, with um, a lot of those comments. One of the trends I expect to see in terms of driving the marketing in 2020 is really the format of content for marketing outreach will continue to diversify. For example, the written blog posts will probably become more conversational. Audio podcasts, videos, and live streams, for example, are catching on. So from consumers or customers' perspective, the more the merrier. There's a lot of things for them to choose from. However, from marketers' perspective, that's going to be a nightmare to manage the wide array of content. Therefore, there's a couple of things from a marketer's perspective we need to keep in mind. Number one is obviously going back to a basic, to totally understand your audience's content consumption preferences. Obviously, there are multiple different formats that you can use and to reach out to them, but the challenge is how to find the balance of creating content that is relevant for your, co- for your company, which is talking about your product, and uh, for your customers' needs at the same time, and in the format that's easy for them to consume. And uh, another trend I would like to share is kind of more in terms of the integration of a digital and offline, and uh, some of you touch a little bit on that. Moving forward, um, there's probably a lot of tools will be available and using algorithm, using machine learning to make a prediction and recommendation and drive the behaviors, our own behaviors, uh, moving seamlessly from online to offline and vice versa. And the knowledge trends, and I think from marketing's perspective, is uh, because of digital, right, um, let's use uh, email as an example. Salespeople are using email to reach out to their prospects. And the marketers are using email to actually reach out to, um, uh, to the, the new customers. You know, because of the uh, tools are used by multiple different job functions, and organization that will force multiple departments to work together. So the focus of integration and efficiency, such as driving the alignment between sales and marketing, driving the integration among sales and marketing, even product development will be even tighter. And that will be a forcing function of using uh, same technologies and tools. So again, you know, uh, the, the formats of a content uh, for marketing outreach will continue to diversify it. Mm-hmm. The integration of digital and offline. And another one is the integration and efficiency of using similar tools amount of different departments. So that's my predictions. Thank you Back very you, much. Thank you. Let's just quickly find out what each of you had in your cup, your mug, your stein, your flute, your thermos, your glass, whatever you were drinking out of on New Year's Eve. Maria Moraes, what were you drinking? I, I love caipirinha. So Brazilian cachaça, lime, and ice. That is me. Ooh, sounds good. <laughs> Magnus Meyer, what was your favorite drink for the, for the New Year's holiday? Uh, the German, of course, Glühwein, which is the German version of mulled wine. So, mm-hmm. thanks for to that. Okay, Pam Didner, what was your drink of choice? 
the good old fashioned. It's my choice. Oh, nice! You know, I not love one person. A great old fashioned. Wow! Not one person has mentioned champagne on the show today. We had coffee. We had Sprite. We had we have Glug. We have Glug wine. We have the old fashioned. Thank you all. I want to wish the three of you happy holiday, happy New Year, happy twenty twenty New Year. And if you're of the belief that it's a new decade, which I am, happy Roaring Twenties. I'm going to go back to Roaring Twenties. So Maria Moreas, Magnus. Pam Dinner. Thank you. We're going to say goodbye to you. And I have three more visionaries on the line. I got to get them on fast because we have a short segment coming up. So thank you all. So let me tell you who my three newcomers are to the close out this show, part four of our crystal ball prediction special. William Aruda is with us. He is a motivational speaker, author, and the world's leading authority on the topic of personal branding. He's the author of the best-selling definitive books, Career Distinction and Ditch Dare Do. His newest book, Digital You, Y-O-U in caps, helps readers translate real-world brands for the digital world. He's the CEO, Chief Encouragement Officer of Reach and the co-founder of CareerBlast.tv. Also joining on this segment, Nicola Zingra Bolton, the founder of Bolton Consulting. She specializes in telematics and IoT strategy and business development for the transport and logistics industry. A freight forward, I got to get this right, by trade. Nicola has worked with OEM telematics in many countries, developing the European market for trailer telemarkets, telematics with its cargo monitoring focus and more. Thank you, Nicola, for joining us. And Jeff Hattendorf, I'm going to sing it, Jeff. I'm putting myself at risk here. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. We're so happy that you're sharing your time with us on your birthday. Happy birthday to you. Jeff is the COO of Mac Respect, Inc., which he co-founded with Randy Marvel in 2005. Jeff has 20 years of experience designing and implementing business systems, focusing the last 10 on SAP's EPM software. He emphasizes brilliantly, brilliantly boring implementations with his team and his clients. Key to Mac Respect's success. I'm going to give each of you, I've got to cut it really way down. We're on a short segment. William Arruda, I'm going to give you two and a half minutes. Squeeze in as many predictions as you can. William, go ahead and Happy New Year. <laughs> happy New Year to you, Bonnie. It's uh, always great to uh, to connect. Um, and I guess I'm going to have a hard time fitting in my 72 uh, trends. But let me let me start with some, some really fun ones. Um, one has to do with uh, the new company loyalty. Um, it, as we all know, people don't stay at companies long uh, anymore. We know that Gen Z say they're going to be at their current company fewer than two years. And at the same time, uh, we know that a company, uh, the, the fact they will not exist for very long. In 2027, uh, the average company lifespan will be 15 years. So this idea of company loyalty that you had back in the 50s where mm-hmm. you worked for 30 years, retire with a gold yep. watch, and, and that's how it works. That's gone, but loyalty is actually more important to companies now than way, way more important than it ever was. And that loyalty has taken a new form. So this weird contradiction of we aren't loyal to companies anymore is, is really, um, it spawned this new need that companies have for digital brand advocacy. And, and that's where companies are going to spend a huge amount of money in engaging their people in delivering their message through their people's social networks. Uh, we know that employees have, on average, 10 times as many connections as the brand does. We also know that if, if a person from a company shares content, um, it will get higher visibility and more reshares. So this is so incredibly valuable to companies. Uh, companies are really trying to create that connection and that loyalty so that people mm-hmm. become part of the voice of the company. Um, and at the same time, 
because so many people are moving through companies so quickly, um, there, there's this new concept of loyalty after you've left. So I, I, mm. I predict that companies are going to start these alumni programs where if you've ever worked for that company, you're going to have reasons to stay connected. Uh, they may, you may even be able to have some kind of uh, email address associated with that company, just the mm-hmm. way universities do. Uh, but to be able to keep these these people engaged and connected, knowing that they may come back to that company at some point, and if not, they can still be a spokesperson for the company. So, um, so that's one this this kind of contradiction and this new um, loyalty. The the second one is um, uh, uh, U-casting, I call it, and it, it's it's about this the the uh, the rise of video as the primary communications vehicle. Uh, all of the barriers to video are gone. It, it's easy to create them. We all have a phone. Uh, it's easy to edit them. It, it, there's no issue with bandwidth. There's no issue with sharing. And we know that for many people, it's the preferred medium. In fact, for uh, Gen Y and Gen Z, that's how they like to consume content and information. So um, so everything's moving toward video. And what this means for companies is um, they want to engage more people in video. Um, the way or Orifices will be organized in the future. Um, they will essentially be uh, video studios where you can easily, when you have something to say, you just turn on a few lights, you know you have your background right, and you're going to be able to record a video and publish it. And a lot of companies, and this is already starting to happen, are building their own video studios internally. I have one company spent a million dollars on building a video, uh, in fact, it's a soundstage, um, so that they can get all of their thought leaders into mm. that studio, creating great video content, and then sharing it on the web. So um, this is a huge trend in, in video. I think it's going to impact the way we work. Um, as, as more and more companies have people working remotely, uh, the way those offices are going to be used, it's going to be conference rooms and video studios. That's, that's kind of where we're, we're moving. Um, William, I'm going to cap you at two because I've got to move on. We've only got five minutes left to the segment. I want to get Nicola in and Jeff. We'll have you back for more. I'll get you on another show in this year. I promise. Okay. Thank you. I love your predictions. Sure. And by the way, I'm a, I, I follow the Nokia alumni on Facebook and people share the old Nokia devices they still have somewhere, the coasters and the paperweights and the phones and everything. So there is, there is that program. Nicola Zingrap Bolton, I've got two and a half minutes for you. We're really tight. I apologize. Nicola, what are your predictions, please? And Jeff, you get ready. Nicola? Hi, Bonnie. Thank you for having me on the call. Mm-hmm. I predict there will be a power shift in the trucking industry with mm-hmm. Amazon now building their own trucking fleets. Um, they've reached a fleet size of 20,000 heavy trucks, which means that their fleet has even doubled in size within a year. This is additional to the amount of delivery vans that we all know, and all in order to increase their capacity for the prime free one-day delivery program. So much new capacity in the market does already affect the established companies like um, the U.S. Postal Service, UPS, and other carriers. On the longer term, I also see a more substantial power shift coming up to the logistics industry because Mm -hmm. Amazon will likely offer excess transport capacities on the trucking market and compete with traditional fleets, which means, in effect, they're concentrating power and dominating the market pricing. Mm. At the same time, shippers along the supply chain, could find it harder to actually access these added capacities if their business does not engage with Amazon's e-commerce business. For classic retailers like Target or Walmart, the pressure is now on to advance to a faster one-day delivery, too, to follow Amazon's examples. 
for other companies, they will be more measured against Amazon's e-commerce streamlined logistics and be forced to ramp up, be it by connecting assets and pallets to the cloud or by integrating with IoT data platforms and um, integrating AI to provide the seamless transparency in real time that we're all gotten used to through Amazon. On the other hand, I see a democratization of platform operability happening. Many startups, small and medium-sized businesses base their innovative cloud or software-as-a-service solutions on Azure, on AWS platforms nowadays. And this, mm-hmm. having a scaling price model available, allows even small firms now to grow fast and curious without substantial upfront investments in their technology. This is where I see the great chances for many smaller companies and their industry-specific solutions and customer focus. Let's just hope that all of these new tech companies will end up selling to the tech investors with big pockets like Amazon or Google. We could <laughs> only hope. Prediction. Thank you, Nicola. Jeff Attendorf, our birthday person of the day. Jeff, I got exactly two minutes for you. Make it fast, but wow us. Go ahead, Jeff. I know you will. <laughs> <laughs> I can be fast. So this isn't new. Um, data is going to continue to grow. I think IDC says it's going to be 61% growth between now and 2025. Mm. We're making up new words to measure the quantity of data. It's now measured in zettabytes, I think. I'm not even sure what a zettabyte is. I'd have to go look that up. But in the, in the world in which we operate, which is the office of the CFO, this is putting, it's going to put a lot of pressure, and it has been for some time, but it's going to escalate in 2020 and into the next three, four, or five years on those people who sit in the office of the CFO, particularly the FP&A team, to rely more and more on machine learning. Machine learning has been talked about on your show when you've done this over the last five mm-hmm. years a number of times, yep. but it really hasn't been adopted in, in the FP&A process. And what we're going to start to see is not only are the vendors, SAP's analytics cloud tool is built on a predictive engine. It has lots of machine learning built into it to help the user. Uh, Workday is putting it into their adaptive insights product because Everyone knows that, that the trend has been to do, to do more detailed, more granular planning with much more data. The problem is that data is overwhelming. People can't mm-hmm. understand it. So what we're going to begin to see in 2020 and in the next year, few years is that the FP&A team is going to go from being number crunchers and gasp, hold your breath, maybe not using Excel as much as they used to, uh-huh. and really moving into a role that's more about storytelling. Mm-hmm. Take all Ooh. of that data and turn it into an actionable story. And it, it can't be something like Leo Tolstoy, War and Peace, because no one's going to sit and listen to that, at least not in the business <laughs> world. But it's going to come down to using that, the data, the machine learning, to crunch those numbers into something meaningful, to tell a story about how the business is operating today and how to make it better going into tomorrow. Jeff, thank you. And Jeff, I have a birthday present for you. A Zetabyte, spelled Z-E-T-T-A-B-Y-T-E, is 2 to the 70th power. It is 1 sextillion bytes. It is a 1,000 a extabytes, a billion terabytes, and a trillion zigabytes. And that's all we have time for. And I want to thank the three of you quickly. Uh, William, what did you have for New Year's Eve? What was your <laughs> drink of choice? And then Nicola and then Jeff. What, what were you drinking? Real fast. Uh, perfect Manhattan Up. Okay, Nicola, what were you drinking New Year's Eve? A Basil Hayden, Kentucky Straight Bourbon. Oh, and Jeff Hattendorf, I'm not going to ask you your New Year's Eve drink, but what flavor will your birthday cake be today? I think it's going to be some kind of chocolate cake. I do not know. I'm looking to be surprised. 
That's only the best. I want to thank all of my guests and my three last three for being such good sports. We ran out of time, but we'll get you back. Veet, veet, my engineer is telling me. Thank you to my Nerves of Steel engineer, the one and only Aaron Keller at Voice America, and thank you to my co-producer, Ryan Treasure at Voice America. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Remember, this is technology revolution, the future of now. The future of now has not happened yet. Do your part to make it a great one. We'll talk to you next week with part five of Crystal Ball Predictions, number five from our 2020 series. Have a great week, everyone, and start the new year off right. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us for Technology Revolution, the future of now. Mark your calendar to join host Bonnie D. Graham every Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel to hear how technology is impacting your future now.